When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, the NBA promised a more competitive All-Star game. What we got, 211-186, to 186, the score of a basketball game that was pretty much unwatchable. It's Amber and Ian, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. He is ESPN NBA insider Andre Snellings, and we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Both Amber and Ian out on this President's Day, Andre. And if we'd have fought like the uh, NBA All-Stars in the Revolutionary <laughs> War, we uh, wouldn't have a holiday for George Washington today. I think we'd all be speaking in British accents today if we'd have given that kind of effort in 1776. Yeah, um, and uh, my, my British accent is pretty horrible, so I think I'm, I'm, I'm lucky I, I missed out on that one. Um, Andre, I don't know what people expect when they tune into an all-star game in the year of our Lord, 2024. <laughs> okay, I guess all the consternation today from... Stephen A. on first take and everybody screaming and yelling about this. And obviously Adam Silver was upset about it last night. Like, I guess I look at this. All-star games are for kids. It's child's play. You know, mm-hmm. you and I break down, get into the NBA finals and the free agency and the trade deadline and the playoffs. I see dunk contests as all-star games are things that are more catered towards eight-year-olds than they are 41-year-old me. I guess I'm acknowledging that while a lot of people want to see some all-star game like from the 1960s, which is from an era that is long gone in our history and in the history of the NBA. Yeah, I mean, so here's the thing. When today's 40-year-olds were eight, that the all-star game was competitive and exciting and you know that was the the 80s or maybe the 90s and you had your 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 Jordans and Dominique you know catching bounce passes from Isaiah Thomas you know for for alley-oops and and there were these exciting you know the Magic Johnson game that was early 90s those were all memorable moments this weekend we went back through what are your memorable uh all-star game highlights and there were some dunk contests that people remembered from the 2000s but pretty much all of the All-Star game memories were from the 90s and before. So yep. to your point, maybe it's a bygone era, but I guess there's just a, a, a sense if they try a little bit, right? You know, the NFL has gone the complete opposite way and just played flag football. Right. Maybe the NBA, you know, yesterday's game was the closest you can get to flag basketball that there is. You know, nobody was, <laughs> was guarding anybody. <laughs> it was just come down and pull from wherever you happen to pull for a wide-open shot. Maybe, you know, it, it's an easy answer. If, if they want the game to be competitive, then Adam Silver has to find a way to make it mean something. And yeah. right now it just doesn't. Well, I, to me, if they don't care, mm-hmm. I don't care. Right. And it was apparent to me, look – Anthony Edwards came into the game saying, I'm going to shoot all my shots left-handed. Okay, mm-hmm. clearly, clearly he's locked in on winning this thing. Scotty Barnes is pulling up for threes, which I haven't seen him do at any point really in his career. He's not an outside <laughs> shooter at all. Carl Anthony Towns scores 50 and finishes like fifth in the MVP voting because they're all empty points. I mean, look, if if they're not going to care, I think that's where it starts. You have to get them to care. Otherwise, you shouldn't be playing this thing at all. 
and the NBA markets it like it's the centerpiece right. of uh, of the season. You know, like it's one of the things Turner or ESPN or whoever, whatever streaming platform, should want when they're trying to get a new TV deal done. Man, if I'm one of the people at our network or another network, I'm saying I don't know that I really want that all-star game on my air. Yeah, and it, it's kind of a failed opportunity, right, because this is the first NBA event after the Super Bowl, right? So this is – Everyone kind of thinks of the Christmas Day game as the unofficial opening of the NBA season because everyone's tuning in to watch those games at a time when otherwise they're kind of paying attention to the NFL. And, and this year they tried the the um, in-season tournament as well, another yeah. opportunity to get eyeballs. But this game, this weekend, is the first time where there's no more NFL for another eight months. And right. so this was the chance for them to say, hey, look at us. We could put on a show. And they didn't do it. And I think that's why Adam Silver is so kind of unhappy about it, whereas the players have just kind of been like, eh, well, yeah. you know, it was another I, I day. Mean, Anthony Davis was quoted as saying the highlight of the night was the people <laughs> jumping off of trampolines dunking. I yeah. read Tim Bontemp's story on ESPN.com. Anthony Davis said the, the – uh, but entertainment between the third and fourth quarter yeah. was the best basketball action on the court last night. Our Brian Winhurst was on the noon sports center earlier today, our ESPN senior NBA reporter. And he said, kind of echoing what Andre and I are saying, Adam Silver was clearly not happy when he was handed the microphone to give Dame Lillard the MVP. Take a listen. Well, let me tell you who was turned off the commissioner, Adam Silver, who went through the post-game trophy presentation. If you want to call it that, with a lot of vinegar in his voice. He really made some changes to this event that he thought was going to get the players to show more uh, competitive spirit. He even kind of quasi-promised it on Saturday night in his annual address with the media, thinking that the changes and the conversations he had would lead to improvement, and that did not happen. And, you know, the players this year have sort of been asked three things. One, to not rest as much for national television televised games, and that came with financial penalties to teams that didn't comply. That, for the most part, has happened, and there's been a couple of fines given out. Two, for the players to care about the in-season tournament, which came with a $500,000 bonus for winning, $300,000 for second, and that worked, and the players talked about the money the whole time. And then three, this all-star improvement, which came with no financial incentive, and you see the result. So Wendy kind of getting there, Andre, at yeah. maybe you got to pay these guys. Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Aaron Goldhammer with Andre Snellings. The problem is, you know, LeBron was fighting in the in-season tournament, which was great, by the way. I thought it was great theater. He was fighting so that, you know, Rui Hachimura could get the half a million dollars and Austin Reeves could get the money and right. some of the lower-paid guys on the team. Well, in the All-Star game, all these guys are making – they're all on $100 million cuts. Some of them are on $200 million, yeah. $300 million contracts. So I don't know that half a million dollars is going to move the needle for Jalen Brown, who's going to be making $50 million a year, Andre. Absolutely. And, and kind of the other side of that coin, you just mentioned LeBron was fighting in the in-season tournament, and immediately after that, the Lakers went through the floor because, and, and not just the Lakers, the team they played in the finals, yeah. the Pacers also right. went through the floor. They both went on these extended losing streaks, and the Lakers are maybe just now starting to come out of it. So the argument could be made that the NBA season is a marathon, right? So if you encourage the players to sprint over, over local distances, they're going to have to walk afterwards. And so the all-star break for the players, a lot of them, it's a chance to get healthy. It's a chance to get some rest in the yeah. middle of the marathon. And if, if 
somehow the NBA, uh, Adam Silver, comes up with a way that, like, no, we want this to be a competitive game. You have to prepare for it. The more competitive it is, the higher the chance of injury risk and the more energy it takes up. So it's kind of, uh, okay, what? be careful what you wish for. Do you really want it to be that competitive? Maybe sure. you do, you know, because that's, that's the country is getting their maybe introduction to the NBA that season. But just be aware there's consequences. Yeah, Andre, I liked actually when baseball did the home field advantage in the World Series mm-hmm. thing. Now, I know a lot of people didn't, but I actually thought it gave the All-Star game some juice, and it came out of a mess, a yeah. tie in the All-Star game, which nobody really wanted to see. The People watch a game, they want to see a winner. Do you think the East-West, but saying home court in the finals, is on the line? Because right now, frankly, the way home court in the finals is decided is kind of arbitrary anyway. You play an unbalanced schedule, right. and whether the East or the West is easier, that's going to help the team that ends up making So you see what I'm saying? Like I, I, That might be one thing that at least if your team is a contending team, you would have interest in your conference winning so that if your team made it all the way to the finals, you'd have games one and two at home. Yeah, no, I definitely see that. And and when I said that Silver has to find a way to make people care, that's the kind of thing I meant. Not necessarily the, you know, the amount of money for the reason you just laid out. Like, the, <laughs> it's crazy to say, but $500,000 for these players, that's essentially, you know, Hakeem from coming to America's pocket money. You know, like, do not take my pocket money. Like, that's <laughs> that that's not, it, yeah. it's monopoly money to us, but it, it's, it's, it's the, the stakes of a card game to them. And so... I don't know if that's how you're going to get them to care, but put something on the line like that, home court advantage or some other uh, postseason type uh, incentive, then, yeah, I, I can see that getting them to actually buy in. You, you put a bunch of kids in the stands, and you say if your team wins, they get to go to college. And yeah. Like, All right, like that yeah. battle. There you go. Now yeah. everybody <laughs> – now you can see it. Now everybody's motivated. Let's get this done. I want – you going to Harvard and you going to the University of Washington. And that would make it happen. Coming up next, what is next for a team that fired their coach the day after the All-Star game? Amber and Ian. I'm Aaron Goldhammer, Andre Snellings on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. It's not a good thing when you're taking the All-Star break to make a giant coaching change. Oh, how the Nets have fallen over the last year. Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio, ESPN app. Sirius XM Channel 80, I'm Aaron Goldhammer. He is Andre Snellings. We are in for the crew, and we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Andre, we'll get back to the NBA momentarily, but we have racing live going on right now yes. at Daytona. 
Now, admittedly, you and I know nothing about NASCAR, <laughs> so we go live to the board where NASCAR insider Rachel is standing by. She is in front of the track and also running the board for our show, and she has a leaderboard, racing board, whatever you call it, update for all of you. Rachel, please go ahead. All right, yes, Aaron, Andre, we are sitting in Daytona with 26 laps to go. Let's clue a quick run-through of the leaderboard. Number one, Joey Logano. Two, David Regan. Three, Denny Hamlin. Four, well, actually, it just changed. Five, fourth is Kyle Busch, and Brad Keselowski has now fallen to fifth. As again, there are 25 laps to go. We are still looking for the big one. All right, thank you. I don't know what the big one is, but we're waiting for it on Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. He is Andre Snellings. All right, Andre, on to something you and I know more about, (laughs) which is the state of the Brooklyn Nets. Which could be anything. (laughs) Which would be literally anything. (laughs) Okay, Uh, about 13 months ago, uh, maybe 12 and a half months ago, the Nets had Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden. They were locked, loaded. Ben Simmons then came in, obviously, in a trade, but they were a super team. I don't know that I've ever seen a super team with nobody leaving in free agency, kind of through their own free will, fall apart this fast to the point where the Nets are making yet another coaching change with Jock Vaughn gone as of this morning. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like that's making a change just for the sake of making a change because they knew coming into this season that they were not going to be contending for anything this season once they made those trades and traded away all of the superstars that they had really over leveraged to acquire um they 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 knew they were going into a rebuild period and and I kind of feel like that's part of the 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 problem or the scenario as you will is that the Nets gave away all of their assets in trying to bring Durant and Kyrie and James Harden to the squad and when they traded them out, they got back some solid players, some good players. You know, Michael Bridges is a good player, but he's like a good third or fourth player on a, a championship uh, squad. He's not yeah. the guy that you're going to yeah. build a contender around. Your franchise so. around, yeah. yeah. And I, I think I wonder at some point, you know, whether they're going to have to trade him because I don't know that they want to pay him like he's a max level player right? because he's probably not. And then the other problem with their whole team is, I think it's fair to say I don't know that Ben Simmons is ever going to be the same. I think it's a little ridiculous organizationally of them. What was Jock Vaughn supposed to do right. with this team? I mean, right. he, what what is he, a magician? He's supposed to carry the Nets to the – like, no, 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 guys, KD's not there anymore. Kyrie's not there anymore. And at first there was this big breath of fresh air because they didn't have to deal with the drama. But now the hard work of actually working your way back to relevancy mm-hmm. checks in. Yeah, and, and that's where I kind of feel that this is a, okay, let's do something that, as you just said, kind of get us in the headlines. You know, we'll, this is our relevancy for the second half of the 2024 season. Because, again, they knew they weren't going to be compete, competitive. Jacques Vaughn did probably as well as you could expect with what he's working with. And to fire him in midseason, normally that means that it's like, okay, things are just going so incredibly beneath what we expected that we can't even wait to the end of the year. 
you know, that, that, that should not have been the case. So I don't really understand the firing. I guess they're fighting hard to try to get into that 10th play-in spot that they are uh, two and a half games behind the Atlanta Hawks. Amber and Ian ESPN Radio, I'm Aaron Goldhammer with Andre Snellings. What do you think the future of the Nets is, Dre? Because on the one hand, if you're a fan, you might be able to say, hey, Donovan Mitchell wants to come to New York and we can go star hunting again. Trey, I think they have to prove first that they can operate a functional operation, you know, that they can hire a coach and keep them for more than two years, that they know who's really in charge. I think those things come first before you can really go star hunting again if you're the Nets. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the the term uh, destroy and rebuilding, like they're still – honestly probably in the destroy phase of that that expression um before they even get to the rebuild they've got a couple young players that that have some talent cam thomas is one of the purest scorers that that's in the nba right now he's been cycling between either a sixth man or a starting role i know that nets fans online that that i encounter uh really like him and really wish he was playing more but other than that uh, again, yeah, Michael Bridges, he's a nice player, but he's not somebody that you're going to want to pay max money to, to to the point that you made, and they may have to to keep him. They don't really have anything to build upon. Like, to to throw money at free agents and say they're going to come in and, and save us, you still have to have a, a infrastructure, something in place, and yeah. I don't think they even have that yet. The other problem is they have no draft picks because yeah. Houston really controls their draft. So they have the... They have the picks of the Suns and the Mavericks, who were playoff teams from the Kyrie and and KD trades. But all of their own picks, which is what they'd want, it's almost like, Dre, they can't tank. Yeah. Because if they do and they get the number one pick in the draft, well, congratulations, so-and-so. You get to go become a Houston Rocket because we traded you for James Harden during the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. So, (laughs) I actually, I'm curious. I don't know if if, if you looked into, like – I feel like they have to have some protections on that pick, right? Like, like if they end up with a number one pick. No, that's why they did the trade wow. for James Harden. I don't think those picks are hardly protected at all. Yeah, then, then yeah, then, then that's an incredible fumble. It's analogous, I guess, to what we just saw in football with, with Carolina and Chicago. Like, the Bears get right. the number one overall pick because of the trade the year before. Right. But, yeah, I mean, James Harden. Not only do you not have Harden anymore, he's on his, like, what, third team since you traded for him? So I mean, he's bounced around (laughs) a few different places since the last time he played for you. And that, again, this was supposed to be not just for one championship, but people thought Kyrie, KD, James Harden. It just goes to show you just because you build a super team on paper Mm -hmm. does not mean that actually plays out that way. And now really the last piece of it gone with Jacques Vaughn gone as Nets head coach. Stephen A. Smith reacted to the firing this morning on First Take. Take a listen. I love Mikael Bridges. I love Cam Thomas. Um, Ben Simmons has done nothing for them. He's been stealing money, as far as I'm concerned, for a couple of years now. No matter what kind of issues he may have had, it hasn't stopped him from making sure that the check is in the account, you know, every, 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 every two weeks or so. So I don't want to hear anything about him. It's just sad. I mean, I understand why they did what they had to do because of the momentum and the trajectory of the franchise right now. But I I wish that Jacques Vaughn had been in a better situation. No question. I bet if they had hired Jacques Vaughn and not Steve Nash, the situation mm-hmm. around their stars might have gone differently. Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio. I'm Aaron Goldhammer with Andre Snellings. They promote up Kevin Ollie to be their interim coach, I guess, for the remainder of the year. Is there somebody, is there a name that you think is interesting. This is kind of where one of these up-and-coming young 
developmental type coaches. A guy to get you from irrelevancy to relevancy would really come in handy for the Nets. Yeah, and and, and that's what I was just about to say is that if you're a, an established coach that you know is used to you know has played for championships before. You're not going to want to come into this because this is not uh, a ready-made. You're going to come in and have success. And as Jacques Vaughn can now attest to, whoever is coaching through the mud of of the rebuild is not going to be there on the other side of it anyway. So this is, to me, an opportunity for, as you said, a young and -and up-and-coming type coach that really just needs to get some experience and some reps and, and try to show what they can do because most likely this job is not one that's going to be their forever job anyway. Yeah, last thing on this, and then the next time we'll talk about the Brooklyn Nets, it'll probably be 2026 or something. When they fire their next coach. Yeah, right, when they they fire the next coach or when they trade. But Gall Bridges, you know, I I think that there was a point where the Nets had sort of certainly the best team in New York. I mean, they, they didn't have the most ardent fans. That'll always go to the Knicks. But they had the best team. Well, now not only are they entering a period where they're going to be wandering around in the desert for a while, but, Dre, they're going to be doing it against the backdrop of the Knicks stepping up and having one of the four best teams in the Eastern Conference and probably winning a playoff series or two. And just purely from a business perspective, yeah, that's going to be brutal for the Nets because they don't have that many fans to begin with. Yeah, you know, I'm about to uh, blow the horn for the nerds. Like, instead of getting rid of the coaches or getting rid of, of, of the players – they needed to be bringing in someone with maybe an analytics background that, that's able to construct a roster more effectively. Even their super team was never going to win outside of special circumstances. And I, I told I, I could say it at the time based on the numbers, and then it played out that way. But, yeah. you know, don't get me on that soapbox. I mean, listen, they, they were hoping the drama would be in the NBA Finals. As it turned out, it was fights between players and mayors and Sage and <laughs> Twitter and all oh my – it was – it was not the most enjoyable super team of all time there in Brooklyn. Coming up next, who's trending up? Who's trending down? We go through an NBA weather report. I'm Aaron Goldhammer with Andre Snellings, Amber and Ian's on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline up I either wanted to be a sports reporter or a meteorologist and guess what with the NBA at its mid-season point at the all-star break in this next segment we get to be both Amber and Ian on ESPN radio ESPN app Sirius XM channel 80 I'm not Amber and I'm not Ian I'm Aaron Goldhammer he is Andre Snellings we are presented by Progressive Insurance and it's time for a little NBA weather report Andre like who's hot and who's not and who's in and who's out and who's cold and who's not cold and I got to start 
you know, I, I know there was some drama in the last couple of days with Clay moving to the bench. Mm-hmm. But I really think between Golden State and the Lakers, I guess they've both been kind of playing better. Right. The Warriors situation is the one I'm watching with more interest because I think they've got a little bit more juice than the Lakers do. I think they won six of eight headed into the break. Mm-hmm. And if Clay's going to score 35 off the bench, Dre, I think he's going to keep coming off the bench. Well, yeah, I mean, if if Clay's going to score 35 in any scenario, then that's hugely positive news for the Warriors because that's part of why they were struggling is he hasn't seemed to have his legs under his jump shot for the whole season. I don't know if I agree with you necessarily on the the relative juice between the Lakers and the Warriors. I actually think both of them are, are trending positive uh uh, after very slow starts to the season. Now, where that trend ends up, we'll see. But I, I think both of them should be able to make a, a, a run at the playoffs and then see what goes from there. I'll give you one other team in the West. Dallas has won six yes. in a row and seven of their last ten. Mm-hmm. And if they can keep Luka and Kyrie healthy, the move they made to get P.J. Washington at the deadline is really interesting. They get rid of Grant Williams, and that really didn't work out. But if I'm Dallas, I'm thinking long and hard about not just the play-in. I'm really trying to get into that top six in the West and really avoiding, if I can, both the Nuggets and the Clippers. Definitely. I mean, so the Mavericks were were who I thought of when we were coming into this segment because, you know, as you alluded to, A, it's about the health of of, of Luka and Kyrie. But B, the moves that they made at the deadline, you know, you, you mentioned um, the, the, the trade that they made for, uh, for P.J., but they also traded for another center um, in, in, uh, in, in Gaffrey. So it's like that those moves, that's what they needed was, yeah. was, was big men. And so they're a, a more balanced team now. And even with the injuries and, and unbalanced team they had, they're only a game out of the five slot right now. You know, so if they go on any type of of run, they could not only get into the top six. I mean, they're still they're only four games out of home court advantage. You know, going into this last third of the season, so I think the Mavs are are a team to watch in the West. Uh, I think Miami in the East is playing much better. Um, I think they've won six of eight headed into the All Star break. They're finally kind of getting healthy. And, Dre, I don't care where they finish in the standings, assuming they make the top eight. Like, how do you think Milwaukee would feel about seeing Miami across from them in the first round of the playoffs? This is a team that, I'm sorry, I don't care where they finish. As long as they get in, I am taking them very seriously as an Eastern Conference contender. Yeah, I mean, you have no choice to because they've been in the conference finals in, what, three of the last four years and the NBA finals in two of the last four years. And several times they did it after very uninspiring regular seasons. So it's part of their brand at this point that you know if they can make it to the playoffs, as you said, and they can get there reasonably healthy, then they've still got playoff Jimmy, and they've got a a squad full of players that are used to playing at high stakes, and they're all going to be really well coached because Spolster's one of the best coaches in the NBA. So, yeah, the the Heat – Nobody, I don't even think it's just the Bucks. I don't think anybody wants to see them across from them in the first round of the playoffs because they know they could take a nail. Uh, one last stock up. The Cleveland Cavaliers, Andre, listen to this, have won 18 of their last 20 games. Mm-hmm. Going back to when Evan Mobley and Darius Garland got hurt, they're 23-5, and five, which is the best record since mid-December in the NBA. I think it's fair for people to question 
you know, how serious they are as championship contenders. They totally flamed out in the playoffs last year. Yeah. But I got to tell you, this is a one of the best offensive and one of the best defensive teams in the league. They don't get talked about by anybody. Mm-hmm. They don't have enough national coverage, I know, because I'm in Cleveland. I talk about the Cavs all the time. So we got to give them some love. They've been the best team in the league for two and a half months. Absolutely. And, yeah. I, so they're a team that, like as you said, going into last season, once they brought Donovan Mitchell in, I thought this is a team on the rise. You know, you've got four all-star caliber players that, whose games all seemingly fit together that they will be building around, and they were all young, so I wasn't necessarily expecting them to contend last season, but I did expect them to improve, and they did have home court advantage in that matchup with the Knicks last season, so that was a positive step. Yeah. This season, they've taken that next step, and yes, uh, at least one national person that's not in Cleveland has been talking about them lately because I wrote an article just a couple of weeks ago saying that right after Doc Rivers got hired by the Bucks, I was like, you know, for ESPN bet, for, for betting coverages, if you're looking for futures, you yeah. might want to put your money on the Cavaliers to win the Central because yeah. they're yeah. a team on the rise. Division championship, NBA it, division championship. Exactly. Yes. Hey, they, you could get it for plus money when the article came out. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I like what the Cavs are doing. And they have the type of team that even though the Celtics are number one and they've got a six-game lead over the Cavs as a two-slot, the Cavs have a team that can beat the Celtics. You know, they've they've got strong interior play. They've got strong perimeter play. And they've got redundancy. You know, they've got if if one player gets hurt, they can keep winning. as They just proved over that first half of the season. So, yeah, the Cavs are a team on the rise. And I would sneak in one more before we move on. Sure. Watch out for those Indiana Pacers. Because Tyrese Halliburton had also been injured. And even though he's been playing the last few weeks, he's been playing limited minutes because he's dealing with a hamstring injury that he probably should have been sitting out on, but he needed to get, you know, he he couldn't afford to miss too many games because of uh, what that would mean for his contract situation. Well, as we saw yesterday in the All-Star game, he's getting healthy. And and, and I think with getting to see a full-speed Halliburton, now with Pascal Siakam and, and this high-octane offense they put together, they could make some noise down the stretch. NBA weather report on Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. I'm Aaron Goldhammer with Andre Snellings. All right, a cold front is moving in, and <laughs> lo and behold, it's February, and it starts in Milwaukee. Yeah. Where, yeah, they're third, but they've had a disastrous season. Doc Rivers is saying that some players were playing Memphis the other night, and some guys were already in Cabo. They have Giannis and Dame, so I guess I take them seriously in that regard. But this transition from one coach to another, and really the whole year in Milwaukee, has just smelled bad the whole way, Dre. Yeah, you know, I, I listed them recently as, as arguably the most disappointing team of the first half or two-thirds of the NBA season. And in that article I just referenced about the Cavaliers, part of the reason I said put your money on the Cavs is that when Doc Rivers came in, I was like, yeah, there's going to be a lull here. Uh, they fired the Bucks have fired their last two head coaches, one of whom had just come off having the best record in the NBA for a full season, the other of whom had the second best record in the NBA at the time he was fired. So it, you know, wins and losses is not what they are hoping for. What they're hoping for is that Doc can 
kind of pull the same magic that we saw with the Clippers. They made a big trade, and the Clippers were horrible for about two or three weeks. And then it seemed to click and start moving in the right direction. Yeah. That's what the Bucks want from Doc Rivers, not necessarily regular season wins. Though if he keeps losing, they're going to fall out the playoffs, and then, <laughs> and then that's bad all the way around. It's just there's an accountability problem there with Doc. It's a weird situation. You know, he said this week like that he was offered a couple other jobs and didn't want to take this job really until the All-Star break. And I mean, you got yeah. Giannis and Dame. You shouldn't be blowing games to the Memphis Grizzlies with all due respect to Doc Rivers. And then, you know, I look out west, and I'm not concerned about this. They're the defending champs. They have the likely MVP in Nikola Jokic. But the Nuggets have gone sleepwalking here mm-hmm. a little bit. They lost the three games headed into the break. They're not as good without Jamal Murray on the floor, who's been a little bit banged up. Um, and I just wonder, come playoff time, they had kind of an you know, the road kind of opened up for Denver a little bit last year. Yeah. If they have to deal with, let's say, a bona fide Clipper team or a Warrior team, exactly how Denver would deal, where are you at with the Nuggets who've been struggling of late on the cold front? So I'm not super worried about the Nuggets in the sense that they've got that championship gravy now. You know, the, and really they did the similar thing last year. They, ha- they had the, the top record in the West but coming down the stretch from about the All-Star game on, they, they their wins and losses uh, uh, kind of faded. And then they got into the playoffs and they got healthy. And as you pointed out, they had really a, a good path to get there. I feel like if they get to the postseason and they're relatively healthy, that they are still equipped to try to um, defend their championship. They still have Jokic, who's really the biggest mismatch in the Western Conference, at least. Sure. And sure. and and that's part of why their path last season was so so good, was that every team they played didn't have anybody big enough to really deal with him. And yeah. outside of, like, the Timberwolves, there's still not a lot of size out West, so I think they'll be okay. Uh, Amber and Ian, I'm Aaron Goldhammer. Andre Snelling's with you. We're in the throes of the Daytona 500. Andre, what do you know about NASCAR? Um, that the track is two and a half miles long. Uh, I know even less than you about NASCAR, but we're in luck because (laughs) Rachel Robinson is standing by. She is on the board for this show, the control board, while also she covers the Daytona 500 for us. Let's go to Rachel for an update on where things stand. Rachel. All right. Also, yes, Stray, you are correct. This speedway is two and a half miles long, but you may notice there is no sound behind me because the race has, in fact, been red flagged meaning the cars are not driving on the track okay. because we did in fact we were on watch for it That's we did uh, have the big one they are clearing the debris drivers are going to the in care in field care center mm-hmm. and we should be back to racing soon we do only have eight laps to go once racing is back underway do we have a sense of how long the delay is going to be here we're talking our sideline reporter at the daytona 500 rachel robinson they are starting to clear most of the debris away so cars are being pulled out on wreckers some cars are being driven to pit road should be soon ish is the best (laughs) i can do no exact timeline on restarting here well the big one got us andre soon ish we were waiting for the big one we got the big one and the race is going to be back you heard it here first soon ish coming up next What team not named UConn or Purdue is going to make a run in March? We talk college hoops next. Amber and Ian. I'm Aaron Goldhammer with Andre Snelling's ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. 
what has been a difficult season sees a great afternoon occur here in Columbus. 73-69, Ohio State upsets Purdue. When we went in the locker room to celebrate and the different embraces and being the look on guys' face, it was special. The call, the great Paul Keels, courtesy of Learfield, Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. He's Andre Snellings. Purdue, I feel like, are always frauds. I mean, they were number one (laughs) seed last year. They lose to Fairleigh Dickinson. They go to Columbus after the Buckeyes fire Chris Holtman, and they lose to Ohio State. They have a seven-foot-four guy in the middle. I don't know. Get that guy the ball and have him dunk it on everybody's head. Exactly. There's a a seven-foot-four rookie is uh, taking over the NBA in in Wimbanyama, so Uh maybe maybe they should have him watch some tapes of Wimby and and say, go go do that. I don't know if Zach Eady is quite as skilled <laughs> as uh, Victor Wembanyama is. If he if he was, he'd probably be playing at a at a higher level. Um, but look, the defending national champions, Dre, were not challenged in the tournament last year. Let's be honest. Right. I mean, it was a great story from Florida Atlantic and San Diego State. Miami had a good team, uh, and there were some fun upsets. And but from the start of the tournament to the end of the tournament, UConn just kicked everybody's butt. Oh yeah, and it looks like we might be on track for that again. They beat the number four team in the country by twenty-eight points the other mm-hmm. day, eighty-one to fifty-three in what was billed as like one of the biggest college basketball games of the year. I know they lose Sonogo and Hawkins and some of the big names from last year, but boy. I got to tell you, this team looks like a machine under Danny Hurley. Yeah, they do. And, you know, obviously I'm I'm, I'm local, so uh, it, it's cool that the, the home squad is representing like this. But more than that, it just feels like – so I do a lot of coverage for ESPN Bet, and the, the Huskies are plus 400 to win the championship. I kind of feel like there's value there. You know, for the reason you just laid out, they look like a team that should have – a, a negative in front of their odds, which would make them the odds on favorite, you know, the expectation that they would win. Whereas plus 400, that, that, that still means that essentially what that means is that if you bet 10 bucks, you would win 40. And right. so that's positive uh, of return as we're getting into like the middle end of February for a team that really looks like they have a strong chance to repeat. Um, a couple other teams here that I just want to mention that I've had sort of half an eye on as we've been going through the, the uh, NFL season. Um, Houston under Kelvin Sampson has become a perennial championship contender. Yes. I, I think this is now one of the best basketball programs in the country. They're there as a top five team. Again, they have a huge game, number two versus number six, nine o'clock Eastern time tonight on ESPN as Houston takes on Iowa State. And L.J. Cryer is a guy whose name you're going to want to know come tournament time, averaging over 15 points a game. Houston, I think, is a bona fide championship contender, not just Final Four contender, but they're a team that could win it all. Yeah, and and as you point out, they've been there before, right? They were a top contender last season, and, and so there are players on the team that know what it's like to play at this highest level. Mm. And this game that you pointed out tonight, you know, the two-versus-six game, this is their opportunity to make the same statement that UConn just made. You know, UConn 
we feel like they're in this rarefied air, at least in part because they just destroyed a top 10 squad. So if Houston's able to do the same, then maybe we start talking about it as more of a a two-horse race with Purdue maybe behind as opposed to uh, Connecticut by themselves. Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio, ESPN app. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. He's Andre Snellings. Then just a general comment about where college basketball is right now. Um, I think that going into this March, the women's tournament is going to have as much, if not more, juice than the men's tournament is. Who's yeah. the biggest star in college basketball right now, Andre? That would be Caitlin Clark. And is it close? Not even a little bit. It's not. The best, biggest coach personalities, okay? Mm-hmm. We used to have Shashevsky and Roy Williams and Jay Wright and all these huge names in the... Now those guys are gone. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. Danny Hurley's a good coach. You heard me bring up Kelvin Sampson. Self is still at Kansas. Mm-hmm. But now a lot of the big personalities on the bench are Kim Mulkey, Don yep. Staley, yep. right? And and um, and Gino Ariema, whose name I didn't even bring up, and he's one <laughs> well, of the most decorated coaches right, in, in, in history. So, you know, I think when push comes to shove, and I'm in Cleveland where the women's Final Four is going to be, it's not just a Caitlin Clark thing. It's also mm-hmm. a South Carolina thing, Andre. Yeah. It's also a UConn thing with Paige Beckers. It's also an LSU thing after what they pulled off in the Final Four last year. I, I just think that the storylines, the real juice of March this year, is as much on the women's side and the women's tournament, if not more, than it is with the men. Yeah, no, I agree. And I would go maybe a step further and say that it's been that way. Last year's uh, NCAA women's March Madness was just beautiful. You know, watching it play out, watching uh, from, from you know, we've talked about Caitlin Clark and then LSU, her and Angel Reese, they're back and forth. And South Carolina was number one last year. They weren't, you know, it wasn't supposed to be yeah. Caitlin Clark and they Iowa in the finals. They lose the game till the final four. And the game between South Carolina and Iowa was probably the best basketball game I saw all March or Absolutely. was one of them, you know. Yep. And so, yeah, and, and I mean, for the finals, I was actually watching it at Dave & Buster's because my kids were there for something else, and it was electric in the building, you know, the way the people were just circled around the TVs watching it. So, yeah, you know, they've got the juice uh, this year and last year and, you know, hopefully moving forward. Dre, I was thinking about this with Caitlin Clark and where she stands now, just as you see, and some of it is because it's smaller arenas or whatever, but the get-in price to see her now mm-hmm. is getting close to 1000 bucks just to get into the building to catch a glimpse. I think, you know, you could talk about Mahomes, Braun, Steph. I think to, uh, an athlete to see play live in 2024, I don't know if there's anybody that sort of moves the needle right now the way Caitlin Clark is doing it. And as I watched Sabrina Ionescu and Steph Curry really run All-Star Weekend, that being the really headliner event, um, mm-hmm. you know, th- this is just another piece of the story that the women's game, if you could invest in something in sports right now, women's mm-hmm. basketball is a great Stock place. going up. Yeah, to put your money in that stock, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I, I certainly, <laughs> I was watching Steph and Sabrina go at it with my family, and I was telling all of my kids, like, all right, this is wonderful, but it is a precursor because in the very near future, whenever she decides to join the WNBA, Damn. it's going to be Steph and 
at versus Caitlyn. And, you know, maybe, you know, UNESCO and maybe you invite Clay or maybe maybe it becomes a bigger thing. Maybe it's multiple men against multiple women. But uh, you're going to get Steph versus Caitlyn in the very near future on NBA All-Star Weekend. And if you ask me to predict it, you know, I'm into the television ratings game. I And by the way, the men's tournament always rates incredibly well. And we'll have juice and upsets and the just the whole thing. Uh, but the women's tournament on ESPN, I think, is going to do the biggest numbers it's ever done on ESPN yeah. and ABC. I, I'm not sure that it's going to be close. Uh, it, they'll start at home sites, um, and then I really hope Iowa is able to make a deep run because I think that if they don't get upset, Dre, and they're able to get all the way to the Final Four, I just think that stage for this particular player is going to become what is the biggest story in college basketball this year and already is. She's closing in on Pete Maravich's record. And every time she shoots, Dre, I think it's going in. And I haven't felt that way with any other player this side of Steph Curry. No, I feel I, I just, you. She, she doesn't put up a shot that I think Dare is going to miss. So it'll be very interesting in the next few weeks to see how that story develops both on the men's and the women's side. Up next, Andre and I are going to give you our bold predictions for the remainder of the NBA season. So you may want to get out your ESPN bet app. Amber and Ian, I'm Aaron Goldhammer with Andre Snellings on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 